If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the little children, go get grandma and grandpa out of their room. Come gather around the radio and listen to This Life with Dr. Drew. There he is. Well, when were you born, Bob? 1961. 1930. <laughs> I just love old times. Uh, reminder that uh, This Life is brought to you on the, the uh, by Bergamet, bergametna.com is where you can get it. It's, uh, of course, a polyphenol product that... Uh, if you listen to Dr. Ehrlich's interview we did just, uh, I think, the last podcast or recently, uh, you may be as persuaded as I am that this is something that can really significantly affect vascular well-being and health. The supplements available at the banner also uh, on, at drdrew.com. Also, uh, Aloe, Aloe Recovery. House. Tell me about that. Aloe House Recovery Centers in Malibu and, and soon to be in Silver Lake. Just looked at a place in Silver Lake. And it's a treatment center that I founded, kind of back to the basics like you and I did at Los Encinas. Yeah. Real abstinence-based and no BS and get a job. Social and, model, 12-step. Yeah, get a job. Vocational it's, rehab. It's very hard to get them to get a job. <laughs> I know. <laughs> when they can relapse and go to another fancy rehab. Ugh. It's so difficult. But anyways, we're fighting the good fight out there. That is A-L-O Recovery, AlloRecovery.com. And again, Bergamet. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to the doctor.com and click on the amazon link all your shopping needs there and uh it doesn't cost you a thing but we appreciate it also you can see the sponsor banner uh you can also see them at thislifepodcast.com click on the links check out their websites uh, we work hard to choose the advertisers uh, that we elect to allow only to ones we're associated with yeah uh and their products and service we want to be able to stand by so thank you all for your support now, in a few minutes, we're going to hear from our friend Elizabeth Bachner, who is uh, graceful.com with two L's. She, of course, is the midwife we did a whole podcast with recently. And she's coming to join us because we are joined by Allison Rosen. Allison, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Allison Rosen is your new best friend, is the podcast. How many, you have zillions of downloads. I have, I have, zillions. I have really good downloads. Yes, you're I'm really in the good zillions, <laughs> and it's and it's sustained. How long have you been doing it? Um, gosh, well, it started as a streaming internet video show that I did from my living room in Brooklyn every Sunday night, uh, and that was called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. It was three hours. It had some of the segments that I do on the podcast now, so I did that for a couple of years, and then I um, changed it over to a podcast in 2012. So. 
four years. Crazy. And Allison lives out in Claremont, or li- went to college out in Claremont. Yes. Pomona, Pitsu? Pomona, Pitsu? Pomona, oh, Pomona, Pomona, the real Pomona, the mm-hmm. real one. I'm going there to see Jackson Brown on Wednesday night. Weird. He's he's at Pomona. Yeah, he's playing at that fancy hall there at Pomona College. What's the, the one? Uh, so big proud. bridges. Bridges. Yeah, bridges. Very and he's cool. playing for the the you know the hippie music store in Claremont. I saw Jackson oh. Brown at UC Irvine in 1973. He's changed a bit now. <laughs> But that music store is owned by Ben Harper's ben grandparents. Harper's, uh, his mom. His well, mom. Well, yeah, his grandfather did start it. He, the mom lives right up the street from me. I live mm. right there in Claremont. Oh, I miss Claremont. It's the greatest thing. It's like a little it's bit so of Connecticut sleepy. right here in Southern California. Yeah. But it's more built up, I think, than when I was there. Because now, isn't there a Flappers Comedy Club yes, there? And the, there's, yeah. yeah. I remember when the press opened, which is a restaurant there that serves alcohol, and that was like a whole big deal because I don't think there was any place that served alcohol in the village before that. Maybe the Danson didn't. The Danson. That's my in-laws' Danson. restaurant. I liked the Danson. Oh, there you go. That's her, his in-laws' restaurant. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, your in-laws, and I know. So these are the parents of the woman who just had a baby, yes. right? Yeah, they're the grandparents of of Sydney. How old is your baby now? One month old. One wow. month and two days. Crazy. And she's at Laguna Beach on the beach. Oh, nice. Oh, Walking nice. around on one of those things around the stomach. You're going to love that. <laughs> the hands-free and baby accoutrement. I, I, yeah, but I, it's got to be hippie looking if you're from Claremont. It I can't be I like, went, you know, it can't look like outdoor yeah. equipment. I went to college with President Alexander's daughter. I think I told you that. Remember the President of Pomona? I do. Then. And uh, I had a bunch of friends of Pomona. And I saw... I was visiting people there, and I saw Animal House in that little theater just around the yeah, corner. Yeah, the Lemley. Mm-hmm. It's like a Lemley. Lemley it was yeah. not a Lemley then. It was just some little mom and pop thing. I don't even remember the theater. Yeah, yeah it's right there by Jamba Juice. I go there all the time. Not a Jamba Juice, I mean, there. a long time ago. Yeah, there's no Jamba This is very hyper-local content for people <laughs> in Claremont, potentially people in Upland might take interest. Red Laverne. Laverne. Mont- Laverne. Oh, you think we're going to yeah, Laverne. Laverne. Right. Rancho Cucamonga, maybe. <laughs> no, but, they're not allowed there. Cucamonga beyond, adjacent. Yeah. So Pomona got uh, one, rev- you know, they do these reviews of all the schools in the country. Pomona got number one in one of these reviews, like oh, overall. Good. I couldn't believe it. I was like, not just colleges. It was just like overall. I was like, oh my God. More than just, just institutions yes, in general. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Pomona. I always like when that happens because for the most part, people don't know what Pomona is or if they do, they think it's a junior college. Or they think Cal Poly Pomona. Yes. Yeah. So I like when it, I still feel pride all these years later. What did you study there? Uh, English. Literature? Yeah. Yep. What's your favorite? Of all the Englishes? <laughs> no, of all the all the books, books and writers. Oh, what, God, was your, that's so what was hard. your what was your back, major focus you love? Um, back then I really liked Emily Dickinson. I liked Keats. I I got into some modern stuff, so I liked Pynchon. I liked Shakespeare. Kind of the the classics. My my landlord is the leading authority at the Claremont Colleges on James Joyce. He's written two books about wow. it. Wow. And I'm the only tenant he's ever had who knew what James Joyce is. Really? <laughs> yes, it's How so cool. sad, the stupidity of America. Yes. Is How, that crazy? I go, he... Joyce, you're kidding. I have a bunch of Joyce biographies, mm-hmm. maybe one that you wrote, and, and I showed him the books I had, and he said, no, I know, oh, I know him. I know him. Uh, so let's, it's a let's, really neat let's community. Let's get into weird, geeky territory for a second. I, I've picked up Ulysses 10 times. It's hard to read. I've not but, made it through either. But I've not made it through 100 pages. Yeah. Uh, but I love Portrait of the Artist as Young Man. See, love to me, it. that's sort of like, I loved Crying of Lot 49 by Pynchon, and I've read it a bunch of times, but 
shoot, what's the big pension one that I now I'm Port blanking? Portnoy's complaint. No, no that's no. Bellow, I oh, think. Okay. Or is that Roth? I'm forgetting. Or Roth. But, Saul yeah. Bellow. Gravity's Rainbow. Yes. Pigeon? Gravity's Rainbow have not made it through. Also haven't finished Infinite Jest. Oh. They, should, they should take my no, uh, degree I, away. I, uh, <laughs> Infinite Jest, I've Was also... Was he your professor? By the way... No, he, he came there right when I left, but um, the summer after I graduated, I was able to go back and hear him give speeches oh, really? there and stuff. It was pretty cool. Say who we're talking about. Oh, David Foster yeah. Wallace. This is water. Oh, let's there see. Let's see. Go. I have a tattoo that says this is oh, water. Oh, explain why you said, what that means. This is water is, it's not a story he invented. He, he heard this story. He told it at graduation. At, at what college, though? I thought it was Emerson, and you said it wasn't like Bates or something. It was somewhere in New England, though. Yeah. Anyways, it was supposed to send the undergrads out into the world excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just said, let me tell you something about where you're about to walk into. Oh, no. <laughs> You've never heard the lecture uh-uh. called This is Water. It's, it's so great. Because it really is what... I think I started realizing that that's what life was when I was like 43. I think I just ignored it. So in... From- <laughs> For the people who don't know, which is including me, what does what does he mean by it's this about is water? the little everyday frustrations and how our prejudice, our and our, our what does he call it preset? Well, essentially, preset. The, the water part was he told a parable, and the story was about these two young fish were come going along, and uh, an older fish came along and said, "Hey, boys, how's it going?" Water sure is beautiful today, and they went, uh huh. Then they're then they're then they're swimming away, and they go, "What's water?" Because <laughs> you don't recognize right. some of the context and familiarity the life of life. What this is life. This is all. This is it. It's in line at the supermarket. Right. It's not assuming that the great thing I like is not assuming that the Hummer driver that just cut you off is an arrogant Republican, you know, Schwarzenegger fan. Mm. God, but it might be a mother. You've gotten you've gotten more either or as the world has yeah, gotten uh, either or. you've got to stop From this, man it started with this lecture <laughs> <laughs> no i'm more i can just see it just be your I, old anti-social self just no, don't, don't pick watch sides this what he says how do you know that's not a mother whose prior child died in a car accident and she's just driving because she thinks that's yeah. the safest car for her surviving child how do you not she didn't know even that cut you off the, she's still driving like an asshole <laughs> i'm just saying for the story you told she's still an asshole who's been through a lot <laughs> She's the like, point is there we go that's, the point is that's the point it's not about us yet we make it always about us mm-hmm. that's just the human condition right I don't it, know. certainly these I, days i think the days. pathway to enlightenment is to realize it's not about you yeah. yes mm-hmm. okay show's over that. anyway no, no. <laughs> oh my god we figured it out we know and what drop <laughs> mike drop mike but what it what i've discovered because i'm kind of coming into this late in life is children because i couldn't find meaning and coming fame. into what late in life Meaning? What what is the meaning of it? What mm. is the purpose? And so, I had you know I had a, a son in the chaos of my addiction, and I tried to do my best. From when I got sober, he was eight when I got sober, and we have a good relationship. And he's a hard worker, and he's a good kid. He's thirty, going to be thirty, but it wasn't it wasn't what I had what I you know had hoped to provide to him. So then I had a I have a six year old and a newborn. And that brings meaning. Every day, it's about somebody else, not mm-hmm. me, and not my opinion of who should be president or this or that or all this. I like this. I don't like that. Good, bad, black, white, right, wrong. You're just trying to... It's much more gray and much more oh, yeah. interesting. So oh, yeah. this morning, messier, I said... Messier, messier, So the baby and Chrissy went to Laguna with her mom to go to the beach. So it was just me and Elvis 
Daddy Elvis morning, right? So I said, no technology. Elvis is how old? He's sick. He's going to be six in two weeks. Th- this so, is the best story. So this is of the greatest you're about thing. to hear. <laughs> so I, so I'm thinking like, what, with no iPads and no technology and no Pokemon Go, what do we do? So I said, let's play rock and roll. So I went and I put Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, the hardest, coolest riff of guitar and, ever. And hold on, Allison was in a rock band. <laughs> I was. I was. She, okay, you know that riff. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm playing air guitar, blasting it in my office. Office. And he's standing there and he just walked over to the stereo and he said, Rock and roll is for rich old men. And he oh walked my God. Oh, old white men. <laughs> no, 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 white. No, oh, rich, rich, old, old men. rich old men. And he said, Let's go outside. Wow. <laughs> he something. That Wait, is... where did he get that? That's it, what I, I said. Oh, have you ever said that? I don't know. Maybe his mom has. Maybe he's just picking it up, but maybe he's putting two Isn't and two incredible? together. That's insane. Maybe he's putting two and two together that everyone I know is a rich <laughs> old guy. And we all like rock and roll. Well, it's weird that, 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 that he's, he brought that in today, and I was like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing a child has ever said. Yeah. Boy, but, then, but strangely, this morning, I was thinking to myself, God, I have strange conversations with myself in the, in the shower every day. It's oh, that's where, I, that's where I really I, get I down with myself, I, too. I, I'm not even realizing I'm doing it until later it comes back. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, what was that all about? <laughs> But this was here was the conversation today. <laughs> it was, I was thinking about the the people. I think it was the fact that your show, your band, Floney's Monster, was, was mentioned on, on vinyl. vinyl yeah. And my wife that shows Susan, how old we are. Susan had just <laughs> mentioned that to me, and I was thinking about you know those bands and thing and thinking, God, those guys were such assholes. They were just guitar players that learned how to play guitar at a certain moment of history, and that made them. Not and have the, lived off it for decades. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I, I was talking. I was talking about the vinyl. The vinyl thing. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. about. And then I thought, God damn it! If, if you had to I, practice medicine, good for one hour. No, I thought. No, I thought more than I thought to myself. Why do we allow? Uh, plant into this country after what he did to American women for 20 years. I mean, he was so abusive. He would put cigarettes in their face. He would ri- drive motorcycles over them. And and Sharon Osborne talks about this. She goes because he, they thought American women were just easy and they were just foreigners and they were just they weren't barely people and they would come over here. Their sociopathic, grandiose, bullshit selves and would abuse the shit out of women. And I thought, why do we? That guy should not be allowed back in the country. I didn't know Ru- all those stories. All the Led Zeppelin Oh, you got to read Hammer of the Gods. The, all you the never read that guys. book, Allison? No. Oh, well, I don't know if you should or shouldn't. <laughs> no, it, now I have they, to. They should not be. I, I'll, I, just, I'll I, read here's it. Here's the full conversation. It will change your feeling about Jimmy Page Bob, tremendously. Here's the, here's the full conversation. I thought to myself, if I were running for president right now, I'd, I'd, be, I'd say, these guys should not be allowed in the country. <laughs> these four guys, they do not allow these guys in the country. They are criminals. They are abusive. They are familiar witnesses. And leave them out. They should oh, not get a, a visa. I love that that would be your platform. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> right. So, yeah. Who could argue with it, though? So what I find funny is, and if you come from music, so a couple of my friends, for whatever reason, the Ideas World dropped the song on top of their heads, and they wrote it, and they've been living off of it for 35 yeah, years yeah. and it's amazing they play every summer and they make hundreds of thousands of dollars they up until the last 10 years they received hundreds of thousands of dollars every year just for one idea and i thought where else in an occupation do well, you get that that, right. was, that was a weird moment it's over it's now just for rich <laughs> white guys rich old guys but we gotta take a break we'll be right back at this Their sponsor this week is Bergamet. You can get Bergamet at Bergamet, B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T-N-A.com. That is Bergametna.com. And uh, we are joined this week by the ambassador to the Bergamot fruit, Dr. James Ehrlich. 
Dr. Ehrlich, why don't you describe your medical history and training? Well, I'm a, a clinical associate professor in the Division of Endocrinology at the University of Colorado. And initially, I was an anesthesiologist. And most of my career in the last 20 years has been involved in tests and technologies in the early detection of cardiovascular disease. Let's put that in sort of a layman or simple language. You're, you're interested in preventing vascular disease, which is like heart disease and strokes, these sorts of things, and the metabolic conditions that can accelerate that or cause that. Would that be about accurate? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's very accurate. I like that. And in the course of this, you were in sort of a traditional medical research background, and you came across Bergamot. Tell me about that. Well, a friend of mine who's uh, a preventive cardiologist in Australia and is kind of like the Dr. Oz of Australia. He's got his own successful radio show and a lot of books out. Uh, alerted me to a fruit that only grows in southern Italy that he now has 5,000 patients on, and he uses it uh, to decrease cardiometabolic risk factors. So um, he, he told me about it. I then went over to Italy to investigate this. I became part of the, the efforts to uh, uh, research this. And now I'm the ambassador to Bergamotto. Since 2013, I'm the director of research in the United States uh, for this particular fruit. And, um, and there's a big, big research laboratory in Calabria, Italy, at the University of Catanzaro. And I'm not a supplement guy. I have to be really persuaded. Uh, and you, th you exposed me to some of the research that was coming out of that institute. And it was really quite striking uh, on many fronts. And uh, I, I really, I've, I've been persuaded. What, what would you say the benefits are of taking bergamot? Well, I think the main benefit is uh, lowering what we call cardiometabolic risk. In other words, about 35% of us are uh, uh, affected by metabolic syndrome, which is considered the epidemic of the 21st century. I got it. It's basically... I, I, I it's, have it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, you have a little bit of it. I think very little probably, but that's my guess. Well, little, um, little in the sense that I work, I, work, are, I work hard to push it back, but I've got it for sure. Yeah, and many of us have it in the standard way. We don't get enough exercise or we eat poorly. And so expanding waistlines, elevated cholesterol, hypertension, and uh, other types of factors of insulin resistance combine to cause this syndrome, which is now becoming the way most people get heart attacks, strokes, and diabetes. So this particular fruit, the bergamot fruit, uh, our formulations are called bergamet for the metabolic syndrome, which is this uh, very dangerous condition um, that's extremely prevalent in the United States. Now, in the past, uh, you and I would probably treat that with exercise, diet, statins, cholesterol-lowering medications. Those are, by the way, all things I still do myself. But you're saying that bergamot may delay the need for all that or could be a good adjunct to that is that accurate? oh i think it's an adjunct i yeah. think i think proper lifestyle management is never substituted by either nutraceuticals supplements or drugs i'm a strong believer in statins for people who can tolerate it especially those who have plaque which can be uh, measured and um and so i for example use uh, bergamot along with statins um, I, I myself, and, um, I, I myself, yeah. you yourself, I mean, you prescribe it that way. Well, that's the way I use it my, personally. Yeah, yeah. Me, well, me too. That's what I'm doing. That's actually what I'm doing. But now I'm on, I'm on uh, twice a week statins, and then I take the bergamot every day, and I get a nice complementary effect because bergamot lowers blood sugar. Statins don't do that. In fact, statins are feared 
in a few people to, to raise blood sugar to the point of uh, diabetes. And uh, bergamot raises HDL, the good cholesterol, much better than a statin. So I like the complementary effects, including lower of triglycerides quite substantially and decreasing visceral abdominal fat, uh, the dangerous abdominal fat that's a very active endocrine organ causing heart disease and stroke. How does the polyphenol in the bergamot fruit do this? Yeah, well, the bergamot fruit has a mixture of polyphenols. It's probably the most antioxidant polyphenol fruit on the planet. Um, and some of these polyphenols are, are really HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors. That's a fancy word for statins. They're natural statins, but they don't have side effects. Uh, and some of them are called gut sterol inhibitors. They inhibit the um, absorption of cholesterol, like a drug called Zetia. And then a few of them are a AMP kinase activators, like metformin, that both decrease visceral fat and drive blood sugar down. So these are just uh, complex mechanisms. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of chapters and textbooks about all the mechanisms of action, but, but basically that's it. It really both improves cholesterol profiles and blood pressure and, um, and insulin resistance. Very importantly, uniformly it improves the health of vessels. So even if you don't have risk factors, you, if you want healthier vessels, and we've proven this by looking at how uh, compliant these vessels are, how loose they are, you don't want stiff vessels, and also what's called endothelial function, which is the, the health of the lining of all of your arteries. And these are proven, uh, we've done extensive uh, studies proving the value in vascular health. The endothelium is the cells that line the inside of arteries. And when I when probably right. you were coming up and I was coming up certainly it was one of it's it's an organ system much like you said that gut fat is an organ system this is an organ system yeah so it's it the was, largest organ in the body it's uh it covers six tennis courts in surface area in the average uh, 150 pound man so uh, it's a quite interesting uh, tissue or organ another question is once you're on this substance should you stay on it forever we don't know that we think a long term investment at least a year is advisable. You know, some people don't see massive changes in their cholesterol numbers unless you do advanced testing of cholesterol. So they get off of it because, you know, they don't notice that their vessels are getting healthier and that kind of thing. Uh, we don't know about lifetime uh, use, but it certainly is something that uh, very quickly improves cholesterol, blood sugar, blood pressure. Uh, abdominal fat and inflammation. And then you have different preparations as Bergamot Pro and then Mega Plus. Which, which, how do we know which one to choose? Well, I think we're moving towards Bergamot Pro Plus. And I think the Mega has been available uh, on the internet. The Pro Plus has traditionally been available by physicians, but now we are making it available for your listeners as, as the uh, Pro Plus, which is probably the top of the line. Uh, a little stronger. I just have some uh, out on my on my countertop in my bathroom because I've got to take it to some patients that want to do this, and uh, I'm I'm persuaded. Dr. James Ehrlich, <laughs> thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate all the info. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll check in with hey, you again. have a wonderful weekend. You too. Take care. All right, we're back. Right, and, we're uh, back. So we want to get know, into this baby thing, baby thing Drew. But I've got Bruce Heischelberg just stopping by, too. And Bruce used to work. Why don't you grab that mic there, Bruce? Uh, Bruce worked with Allison over at the Corolla Network when Allison was the news girl for uh, Adam Corolla. Yes, it's I know. She was the best. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I miss you, Doctor Bruce. I miss and I miss you, Doctor. I haven't. No, I saw you once because I did Love Line. Yes. So I saw you once after all that went yeah. down. But yeah, I haven't seen Bruce in forever. Buried in the ER. Mm-hmm. Buried in the ER. What? 
<laughs> he sounded like he it took sounded me a like, second to, to understand too. But he's been buried in the ER, and I have not had any emergencies, uh, hence I haven't I see, seen him. I see, I see. With, and, and you, and you, he's out in wherever Redlands or wherever, Kentucky, Kentucky. Well, then tell us this: Did you find our uh, Claremont conversation riveting? <laughs> no, I love folk, the folk music center there. I yeah, love that place. There we go. That's what the benefit and I know is the, the Harpers. Yeah. I know yeah. these guys. Okay, hold on. Let's go to babies. Yeah. I love Alice, Alice babies, is, babies, Alice babies. Is pregnant. Bruce, that's why I wanted you in here. Are you feeling <laughs> happy? Are you feeling nauseous? I am now 20 weeks, so I'm like halfway through. I was feeling pretty sick the first three months, but I understand that that's pretty normal. Actually, you didn't last throw up, though? I didn't. I was very lucky. You're so lucky. Yeah, I know a lot of women. I just felt, I didn't realize it feels like a constant hangover. Mm. For oh, some really? reason, I thought that morning sickness would just feel like, um, you, like you just want to throw up, but it actually is sort of your whole. It's like your whole body feels sick. Well, this sick. thing is growing inside you. Yes, and your body is angry at it. That's why I don't understand. Like, what is the? I don't know if anyone actually knows, doctors. What is the function of feeling sick the first trimester? Is it really there, your body trying to get trying to fight it? No, there's a couple theories. Well, first of all, let's let Bruce let's straighten oh, out. It, it's probably the progesterone. Progesterone. Yeah. I was going to say side effect. Oh, yeah. it's, just, it's not. The, it's not that a baby's growing. It's that your placenta right. starting to produce all this progesterone. And also, I was on progesterone shots for the oh, first twelve weeks yeesh. every day. That so. makes people so yeah. depressed, depressed. And so sick. Yes, Did I you get depressed too. Kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, not not super duper depressed. I mean, I did IVF, and we'll get into this, but like I pretty much don't see the benefit of natural childbirth, and I've been trying to figure out why. Because well, we're going to bring uh, uh, Elizabeth Bachner back from Graceful.com to talk about because she's a she's a midwife. Now she she knows, it's but easy a lot to of it. you know, I think a lot of women grapple with that, and for me, it's like the the whole natural thing holds no appeal, and I've been trying <laughs> to figure out why, and maybe it's because from the beginning, getting pregnant has been such a scientific process. Oh, I did IVF, I did eight egg retrievals, um, and they treat you like such an incubator, like your yes. biology experiment. They don't they don't prepare you for all the ups and downs, and right. So, and I had been on you know so many different hormones, and then I did Lupron. Oh. For eight weeks, Lupron before, throws you into menopause. Yeah, so that was probably the worst. Yeah, that um, why would they want to throw you into then, menopause? Then they hyperstimulate the ovary. Well, no, actually, you, Lupron is used at the beginning of IVF. For me, I have endometriosis, oh, okay. so they wanted to suppress all that to um, maximize the chances, to, like just to make my uterus perfect before putting in Your the embryos. Your uterus is perfect. That's what I told them, but it really wasn't. It was a hoary, craggy and place. <laughs> and, we didn't, and we didn't answer the question oh, about, yeah. about sickness. There is evolutionary theory that it's to keep you from eating anything that would oh, uh, poison you or right. make you sick in other ways. Because your sense of smell gets so and strong. And get this, is this that, is what we learned yeah, along... No, absolutely. Very good. Here's what we learned along the way. No matter what, no matter what, if you eat or don't eat, that parasite in you is going to suck whatever it wants. Oh, yeah. Well, How crazy is that? Oh, the placenta is the most amazing organ of the body. And placenta the, is unbelievable, right? Bruce, you, you, absolutely. That's the one that's the most mysterious, craziest. Do you dissect it when you're doctors? Do you look at it when you do? Yeah, you, you, you look at the microbiology. It mostly. just sat there for like two hours. Then we eat. Then we eat. It. <laughs> then we eat. <laughs> People retain them and make pills out of them. A friend of mine just pills did that. Make, did what? Did Catherine what? Allison did, did what? Had the pl- placenta encapsulated. Right. Yeah. Desiccated. So she, to yeah. eat it? Yes. Yeah. I also don't have an interest in that. I don't <laughs> know what's wrong with me. You're an intellectual elite. <laughs> I guess none of this goofiness. Rock and roll is for me. None of this goofiness holds any any appeal. The curtain has the, been pulled. You the, just the only sort of like thing like that I did was I read after the embryo embryo transfer that eating pineapple and Brazil nuts can help make it take, even though that like doesn't make sense. But I thought, oh, what could it? What the harm? Susan went big on uh, 
seaweed for the folate, not knowing that that would become a big issue. Folic acid, then something did become a big issue. Who knows? Yeah, that's in all the prenatals. Michelle Poe does our newsletter. I know what this newsletter is going to be about, so good luck. (laughs) (laughs) So what... So, so with scientific, so you might as well just follow it all the way through. So let science rule. I Is that guess, how you feel? I, you know, what about all the literature you read as a child that talked about all nature and all that? There's mostly know. death Jane and Eyre. I'm not Jane Eyre. <laughs> oh, we got her. We got Elizabeth here. So Jane let's, Eyre. Let's bring Elizabeth. Hey. hey, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. How's everyone doing? Great. It's great to hear your voice. We have our special guest, Allison Rosen, who is 20 weeks pregnant. And, hey, uh, Hello, nice to meet you. So, okay, can you tell me this? I was just saying to the guys here, I have kind of zero interest in natural childbirth, even though my mom mm-hmm. had my sister and me naturally, and I have a lot of friends who had their kids unmedicated. But that right. kind of holds no appeal to me, and I'm there's part of me that even wonders, is a C-section better than a vaginal delivery just because of um, what I know that you talked about on the episode of this show that you were on like the pelvic mm-hmm. architecture and all that um i don't know i don't really know why there's no part of me that wants to bear down and do this the way that women <laughs> have been doing it for zillions of years but i just uh-huh. i don't know it sounds painful but maybe if someone could explain to me the benefit of all the natural stuff well i have a question for you did you have this opinion before you got pregnant or did this happen during your ivf journey Ooh. Uh, I don't know that I had ever really thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I suspect it is partly because this has been such a scientific process and because I did eight egg retrievals and I used to have a real big fear of anesthesia and a fear of IVs and a fear of all of that. And I kind of got over it and got used to all of that. So I think that mm-hmm. I, I look at that now as like an IV is a way a sort of a conduit to feeling a little bit better. Um, and mm-hmm. I think of childbirth as potentially quite painful and I have experienced pain in my life and I don't need this experience to be painful too. Right. And I also want to honor the fact that you've gone through IVF. Like you had to go through eight egg retrievals. Emotionally, there's a lot going on of really wanting to make sure and control everything because there's, there's a lot there. You know, it's not easy just doing eight egg retrievals. No. So I could also understand from a mental place of really wanting to continue down that road to really just keep trying to control everything. Well, I do Would love control. <laughs> she touched I'm on a very, word. very much she into control. On a word you're familiar with. Yes, in fact, that that would I would say that's the hardest thing of being pregnant. Even though I'm so happy that I'm pregnant and I'm so excited to meet the little guy, but the fact that it's so much of it's out of my control is not easy for me. Right. So I really want to honor that in you. And I, if I was working with you, I would never want to push you past what a limit is that you're comfortable. And what I'm looking for is I am looking for a mama to feel empowered in her choice. And if you're educated about everything and you're like, this is the way to go, it's like stand up in your truth and go, this is how I'm going to be the good mother of this child. Because we don't, you know, we don't know everything. Everyone's so individual. So first of all, I mean, I'm coming from a place of I just want to honor what feels good for you. And then we can come in with the educational piece. I mean, having a vaginal birth, our bodies are made to go into labor. Our bodies are made to birth babies vaginally. And the uterus is like the, the hormones and the physicality. It's all meant to work together in this amazing clock to birth babies. And 
there's a lot of um, there's a lot of reasons that they're finding out for it of like the pressure of the baby going through the vaginal canal. And then, do you know about seeding, Dr. Nope. Drew? Do you know about that? No. The the seeding. So um, there's new evidence that talks about how in the vagina there's all kinds of great bacteria that's good for the baby. Oh yes. So right I have now, heard about this. yes. So there's a new trend even that if you don't have a vaginal birth because um, a vaginal birth can be really good for the baby with the bacteria, that you you put a four by four sterile four by four into the vagina after the surgical birth and beam. wipe the baby down. Nice. Have, do you know about that? I had heard about that. Yes. So yeah. that the baby still gets the bacteria. Mm-hmm. So are there, there, I mean, do you, are there questions specifically about like a, having a vaginal birth that you, that you want to know more about? Well, um, a lot of my friends have had problems afterwards and they have said to me, oh, you have no idea what it's like after, um, mm-hmm. whether it's pain afterwards or... You mean while they're recovering or for years afterwards? Months after. Months after. Um, mm-hmm. So, or granular tissue or scar tissue. I don't know if that's the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, still peeing every time they sneeze, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Right. So, are these women who are like getting chiropractic care beforehand? Because we live in a society where everybody's driving in cars and everybody's doing Pilates. So, we've got really tight hip flexors, unusually tight. You know, are these women who are addressing those issues and getting chiropractic beforehand to make sure they're open? Are these women who are getting epidurals and getting Pitocin so when they push, they're really not able to feel and the body's contracting? Um, in a way that might not be the body's rhythm, and um, they're pushing, they're, they're not listening to their body, and they're not standing up, and they're not moving, and they're not sitting while they're pushing. Actually, you these know, are all women who had epidurals. I don't know if they had Pitocin. I know that so many people do get induced these days, so perhaps. Mm-hmm. Right. So my question becomes, for getting epidurals and seeing these as, as um, side effects of that, is it the fact that women are numb and they're lying in bed while they're pushing and we're seeing more of that and we're seeing less of that when a woman is unmedicated and moving around and sitting on a ball or sitting on the toilet or in a tub and she's able to push and feel at the same time. Hmm. The other thing is, is I hear your concerns about the postpartum. Do you know in France they actually have, um, they have um, the medical system supports a woman postpartum with uh, postpartum pelvic support. We don't do that here in America. Like, you have to search it out to find a great chiropractor or somebody who really helps with strengthening the pelvic floor afterwards, whereas it's routine in France. Mm-hmm. Didn't we talk about that last time, Dr. Drew? Yeah, we did. We also had that uh, Apex <clears throat> device we were sort of... Apex yeah, M. Apex M. That, what is a that? device you can actually can use to help build the musculature and stuff. Despite mm-hmm. all of this, though, I think if someone were to tell me it's better for the baby or or rather it's it, you're putting the baby at risk by having an unnatural and I know that's not a popular word anymore to describe this childbirth that might be the thing that would sway me like is it because I know that they'll give you fentanyl which very much appeals to me they only give you three doses mm-hmm. but is that bad for the <laughs> you baby you know how many doses they yeah, give yeah I already talked to my doctor about it <laughs> that's interesting I think it becomes a risk benefit assessment to think it's just this is good and that is bad is an outdated way of way of thinking it's it's risk and benefit you know what is the risk of a cesarean birth with the scar tissue um in the uterus and possibly it growing 
you know, having, having internalized scar tissue because of a surgical birth, you know, and does that become a better way of birthing the baby because maybe you've got fears of a vaginal birth or, or, or um, I don't know, something else going on around the, the granulation in the, in the vagina from tearing because you can't feel the pushing. Yeah, I had that had... Make sense of how to look at it? Yes. But and there's now, risks for this a surgical birth. I'd had surgery. I have endometriosis and I had ovarian cysts and I'd had surgery and I've had polyps removed twice. And now that I think about it, I've had dudes with scalpels all up in my junk so many times <laughs> that maybe uh-huh. I'm just like, why not do, Why not have this be one that more. too? <laughs> Take this why, one out also. Why start being natural now? I, I guess the more that I talk about it, the more I'm realizing it's just... I'm used to this all being a clinical surgical thing. I can just say, mm-hmm. just witnessing the whole thing over 10 months, I was like you. I was like, well, you know, as long as the baby's healthy, you get right. her out and whatever. I didn't realize like what an experience and watching Chrissy go through that experience. And we had a hell of a experience. I don't want to scare you with the details, but it was long and it involved both epidural and Pitocin and some sort of morphine of some sort. But in the end, it was like a spiritual experience for her going through that, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying that that you can't have that having a C-section. I I just don't see how you could. You go to a hospital and point it around. You go into surgery. The baby comes out. There was something really life, you know, like very literary about the experience, right? Like a hero's journey. Yeah, Bruce, do you have any concerns? The, the heroine's journey. Are you, listen, are you hearing all this? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, we can't hear it. <laughs> well, I you have know, something Al- to say, though. Allison, oh, Allison, we don't know how your body is going to react to labor. You might be that woman who's who's not in pain and doesn't really feel a lot until the end. So to to give a black and white answer i think would be um would 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 not be the right way to go it's more we'd sit down and i'd educate you about how the body works and what happens and what goes on for the babies on the inside and really give you that information mm-hmm. you know which takes a few hours and then for you to look at me after that and go oh my god it's amazing how the body works and that's not for can, me can elizabeth can we talk about pain because what i observed mm-hmm. was the dropping Seemed to be more painful to Chrissy than the actual birth, huh. the contraction, the dropping. The dropping. She that's when it was. What are you calling cr- dropping? When the baby's moving the down. Engagement? Yeah, 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 engagement. That can you can you tell laymen or guys like where does all this pain come from? It's obvious that a baby is coming out of your vagina. That's going to be painful. But it seemed like the dropping was excruciating, screaming pain. Oh, good. Well, so, <laughs> what is I'm that dropping, whatever that is? I'm about your anatomy and what's going on with your pelvis, and I'm wondering if it's really hurting because you've got, I don't know, maybe really tight abs? Or, yeah, tiny, like tiny little pelvis. in your hips. I don't have this problem. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Susan, you had a question? Well, I was, I was worried about having a cesarean but you've had experience with abdominal surgeries mm-hmm. before, so you understand what the aftermath of that is, which is not pleasant. Right. I mean, I may have Although mine was a... laparoscopic. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I had triplets, which is a little different because my uterus was the size of Wisconsin. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, I also had a hernia repair, and I've had a couple of, you know, surgeries down there, mm-hmm. and the recovery was pretty tough, too. Now, I don't have any of the 
side effects, I can jump on a trampoline without peeing my pants. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. She brought it up. I don't. I know exactly what is, it means. That is girl talk right there. Yeah, it means she won't pee herself from bouncing up it's and down. Stress, stress, urinary incontinence. Okay, there's a doctor version. Yeah, of I can't even <laughs> cough without peeing a little bit. One of our That's favorite sponsors pregnant. was Apex yeah. M, and we have the machine to tighten those up. But anyways. Um, <clears throat> No, but I but I do know that I did not like the pain after the cesarean. Mm-hmm. It was it's not. It might be short. A well, she little had, bit. Catherine. She, I mean uh, Elizabeth. She had a, a alias afterwards. A bad alias. Oh wow! Oh, but, that's where the bowels paralyze. Yes. Oh my god! You can't sit up. You can't. Yeah. You know. You can't. I mean. But, I know. But see, nobody's I've, talking about those risks, yeah. and that's part of the challenge of the conversation. It's become so um, every day. It's like, oh, I'll go in and get a cesarean birth, and I'll go home. And there's all these risks nobody talks about. And one of the things nobody talks about is the possibility of lifelong scar tissue that's traveling up into the abdominal cavity. Yeah. Are you talking about you adhesions? Yeah. Adhesions, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Well, every time they open mm-hmm. your abdomen, you can get that. You probably already have Malison. Right, yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God, that's what you're saying. No, but I do with the endometriosis, probably already have it. Okay. Right. So, so nobody's, nobody's having those conversations. And again, it's not a bad. It's just, you know, know the risks when you get into it so you can make a good choice for your family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's important. One more. I have one question. Um, my mom was in labor with me for only a couple hours and then with my sister for like half an hour, something insanely fast. Does that bode well for me having fast deliveries? Do you have um, a physicality like her? I think so. Yeah. No, it actually does. Okay, they good. say that you end up birthing like your, like your mom. I, so everything that you are telling me, you sound like a great candidate for a vaginal birth. And I Lucky want you. Respect- <laughs> you. We'll give you the fentanyl your, now. Your vagina is magical. You know, and three fentanyl <laughs> shots. But, so but you what know. I'm hearing is, is you like to control things. Yes. Which I totally respect. But I'm also hearing you haven't had like a childbirth ed class where someone has sat down and just explained how the body works and how the hormones work and the physicality. Because one option for you might be, listen, I am educated. I get it. But... I am not doing this more than six hours. And once we hit six hours, I'm getting the epidural. And then once we hit this boundary, I want cesarean birth. Like, you can create that so you have yeah, some that, control over the things you Yeah, that's what we had. That's what we had. birth plan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Have you thought mm-hmm. about it? Um, I'm just starting to think about it now. I mean, I, th- I think... She's been preoccupied with the fentanyl up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've been what? Preoccupied when, with the yeah, fentanyl. Yeah, you, right, you could put that in. Two hours <laughs> fentanyl. Two hours fentanyl. <laughs> And get through the first six hours. <laughs> no, you can have it two hours, just like your mom. <laughs> you you probably will birth very similar to your mother. Oh, good. Well, All thank right. you, Elizabeth. We're going to move on here. I appreciate you calling in so much. Thank it's you grace, so much. Graceful, Pleasure catching up. Graceful dot com. Yes, two L's. Graceful has two L's. Full of grace. Thank right, you. Right in Silver Lake. Thank, thank we'll, you. We'll talk to you soon. We're going to take a little break. Be right back. There you go. <laughs> All right, we're back again, Bobby. Yes, we are here talking about the most female of subjects. Well, let's review our Bergamot friends at bergamotna.com. Also, Aloe House. Aloe House Recoveries Malibu. Bruce Heishober still hanging out here. He's got a mic now. My wife has finally kindly given it. But you have to actually put it near your mouth, Bruce. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Was he always like that? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but he doesn't have a stack of papers that's falling everywhere. So you've delivered 25 babies. Adam compared me to Drew all the time, though, of course, with my microphone bad habits. Drew has delivered 25 babies. Bruce, you you, so many you can't even count, right? No, just one with a 
with the uh, emergency umbilical room. cord tied. Apparently. Oh, really? Oh, that's what I want to talk about. So, yeah. who came in for a urinary tract infection? Uh, didn't know she was pregnant. Oh. Yes, wow. that's what I'm talking about. How does that happen? And the nurse came back and said, "Your dog on patient Peter pants in the waiting room." Oh, <laughs> it was through broker water. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. So, so it's just miraculous to me because I just witnessed it. The whole thing just operates. Right. So what is a doctor's role in that whole process to catch the baby? Recognize the position. Recognize Recognize position. I mean, they're vital signs, you know, with the the mom, the baby. Know when there's trouble. Right. 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 But uh, that's it. Know when there's trouble and to help move things along and move things through. So, but when it goes into a medical procedure, like what Allison's talking about, like operation, C-section, that becomes doctor stuff. Well, the episiotomy, we have to do that. Yeah. But they don't always do that, right? That's you don't, not an always. Believe me, they don't feel it. I know, that's what I've heard. Yeah, uh, yeah. and it gets stitched up. Yeah. So, uh, but but let's talk about C-sections, because I was very pro-C-section. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want my woman to suffer and be in pain and all that. No like, selfish like, reason for that? Huh? No selfish reason. No, no, no. Pretty, I know what you're saying. Yeah. No, no, I've, I've, Dirty been, bird. I've been through it before. It's all, all that whole thing is exaggerated, I think. But from your, with some of your friends saying that that they're not as satisfied sexually or something. No, not not that they they haven't said that they're not as satisfied. They've said that that it has been painful. Oh, sex was painful. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong down there. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, he's really pushing for C-section. I mean, what, what I understand, oh, he is. He's 100 percent pro C-section. No, no, not 100. percent But, but I mean, I, I think about like Mary Todd Lincoln, right? Yeah. Mary Todd Lincoln had a, a cloaca by the time she was done. Really? She had a third degree tear. That's why so, Lincoln was depressed. It wasn't the mercury. It's one of the reasons she was a little nutty too. She <laughs> she had torn her vagina and her rectum into one cat. Oh my oh. god! Oh, like a bird. What? what? Oh. Wait, this is for your guys' doctor show. No, that happens. <laughs> Rectal tears. Don't but, listen to them, Bob. A cloaca is, a, is like a bird's genitals, right? Like a cow. Okay. But Bob, Bob. Oh, my God. Bobby. Oh, my God. What's so weird is... This woman's trying to decide whether to have a C-section or a natural birth, and you just cinched it. But what's crazy to me is Elizabeth and I discussed third-degree tears when she was in here. Oh, really? We were discussing it. So you're familiar with third-degree tears, Allison? I I haven't heard the whole episode, (laughs) but I can't wait to hear. What is, how do you, what's the difference degree of tearing? I wasn't supposed to mention episiotomy. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, episiotomy, that's nothing compared to cloaca. Well, it's supposed to prevent the third-degree tears you cut so it doesn't tear all the way through. Oh, my goodness, doctors. (laughs) See? Okay, so also, baby will come out whether you do that or not. Baby, come yeah, down. or or both baby and mommy die. I mean, that could well, happen. Oh my god, could happen. <laughs> no, I know, I know. A, just saying, it happened. A friend of mine was just saying because we were talking about people that have their babies in a birthing center yeah. versus a hospital. And he yeah. was saying that we've become so desensitized to how dangerous childbirth can be. Well, now that there was this, did you see that data recently? It showed there's been a marked increase in complications in pregnancies right. lately, and a and marked what's increase that from? in. I I guess where are you delivering? Hypertension, Cedars, hypertension. I think it's where people are delivering more than anything. Could it I mean, also have to do with the age? Because people are getting pregnant be, right. so much later. Be, I'm 85. Thought. Yeah, I know, are it's you a little really? late. Yeah. Don't uh, look at that. I look great for 85. And you really do. <laughs> Thank you. And, and Elizabeth, man, Elizabeth is a real serious professional. I'm, I'm not disparaging what she or her guys right. are doing at all. It's just you got to be objective and look at these things. That's all. I mean, I'm just, I don't, I don't again, I like it not having a horse in the race. I like mm-hmm. just, the way I feel about politics too. I just like looking at the data. 
But if it was your daughter, what would you be advising her? Um, Or is it too situational? No, it's a great question. Well, again, I like Elizabeth's approach and like, where is the woman at? And Mm. and, and does she have all the information? But I think I'd I'd be cool with a C-section. To me, it feels, here's, I have a weird thing, which is like medical problems in the field really bother me because I feel out of control. When you bring those medical problems and bring them into an IC or a surgical suite or an ER or something, I, I'm perfectly cool because I know we can handle it. Right, because so, you have everything you need Yeah, there. and so it's that kind of like psychology is creeping in here. Mm-hmm. Does that well, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Not to be devil's advocate, but aren't there a lot of people who die in hospitals of complications that, of medical, sure. b- bureaucratic... Sure. No, uh, not no. Most they, well, how do people die in a hospital that wouldn't normally? That's die? overblown. There's an article in today's New York Times in the okay. health section talking about the. It's sort of lying with statistics. Why do they call it medical? Here's why. Comp, Here's, medical. What do they call it? Medical mistakes. That's medical what they misadventures. Call it. Here's what yes, happens. Mis- Here's misadventures. What happens. The majority of medication errors have no consequence, and but the, but people then get a weird infection. People who are dying, who are really really sick. We'll get so-called super infections with crazy acinetobacter infections, things like that. And then that goes down as a hospital death. Even though um, they were dying what anyway. What is it called? Misadventure? Yeah, medical misadventure, misadventure. Or, or medical or, so or iatrogenic. So it, yeah. So it, is, but, that, is that a myth? So medical no, misadventure not a myth, is not a, a myth. myth? No, no, no. Not a myth. We will fuck you up <laughs> okay, if you're not that, careful. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> no, I, I always say you, you, every time you walk in a doctor's office, you better be there for a good reason. But if you're there for a good reason, we can usually diminish the what, And when somebody comes in front of you guys, they're either going to get a scalpel, a prescription pad, or a good talking to, right? Right. They, they that's pretty much your options, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but, but Bob, they're not yeah. happy with the good talking to. <laughs> no, that's true. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. See, I worry that I've become too inured to the risks of general anesthesia because I grew up very afraid of general anesthesia. You don't really get, they don't do necessarily general for a C-section. Oh, right. No, I'm just talking yeah. about just in general. Yeah, I, just hate, my, I hate general anesthesia. Oh. I hated it <laughs> until, like I had my wisdom teeth out under local, my dad's a doctor and very overprotective and very like don't. Psych- psychiatrist, wasn't he? No, my grandfather was a psychiatrist. Okay, right, my dad's right. just a GP, right. retired, um, but very much like don't, don't have more medical intervention than you right. need. Oh my god! Ever... I was raised by the same guy. Okay, my, so we have the same dad. Yeah, we have the same dad, and and but that's why like overuse of antibiotics and like that, that, that to me are just bizarre. Right. I can't stand it. Yeah, and the and the fact that people go for a medication for everything. Most minute. of my career at working in a psychiatric hospital was spent dealing with the effects of medication, mm-hmm. the horrible misadventures from medication. Not misadventures in the sense of the wrong things prescribed. Misadventures in terms of side effects and horrible consequences of medication. So you're. Your your father has a horse in the race. It's his grandson, right? Yeah, he hasn't talked to me at all about through my the mom, childbirth. But the mom. I know that you know. I asked my mom, "Why did you do natural childbirth?" And it was my dad. Really, it was him saying, "Do less." Yes. Yeah. And I think the idea then was it's more pro woman to do it naturally because the medical community wants to like shut you up and you know women make all sorts of noises and go through all sorts of stuff in when natural was childbirth when were you born i was born in 75 yeah that that was the that was what was going on then right so the idea was like People are afraid of women's re- this is what I think what my dad thought people are afraid of women's reactions the medical community wants to just like give you something to make you docile and quiet, but it's natural and it's beautiful and, and it's best for the baby to do it naturally. Whereas now there's this other way of looking at it, which is 
if a man was having it, <laughs> he wouldn't be expected to have it naturally. Right. So I don't even know. Like, and, just and, and the pendulum of the, that natural pendulum swung back towards C-section again. It's, it swings back and forth. You know, where is the where right is it now? Do you spot? think where is that? Pendulum? I I had no friends who. I know friends who had epidurals and were induced. Pretty much everybody has epidurals. And Not I, everybody. a couple of my friends, one of them had her baby in a birthing center, it was her second baby, and one of them just had her third baby and decided on this one she wanted to do it naturally, and she did, and said it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> was she glad she did it or not? I haven't asked her that yeah. yet. Um, I think that it was just like I go to the rest, this same restaurant all the time, and I always have the same thing. I'm going to try something different. I think that she's done it enough now that it was like I just want to see what it's like. I don't, I don't, I think the sense I get is if she were to do it again, she probably wouldn't do it. But do you do you care about the prevail and cultural imperative where the where the pendulum is swinging? No. What do you want to do? I want to do what's best for the baby. So I, that's why what I think what'll be dis, what will be the deciding factor for me is if someone sits me down and says, look, I know you want the fentanyl and I know you want the epidural and I know that you want to feel as little as possible, but that's bad for the baby. Well, if I were the, it can't if, come from my dad because I won't believe him. If I were the baby, right, uh, I wouldn't mind the fentanyl. It won't hurt me. No. And uh, I would want to be my C-section. I wouldn't want to go down that birth canal if I didn't have to. Just saying, a meconium facial does not sound like a good a good time. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. On. Now, what about I mean, she started talking about wiping? wiping I know. I was thinking, well, for meconium, yeah. this is fantastic. You know what's interesting? The the studies on on bacterial colonization, C-section versus vaginal delivery. Have you seen that? No. What it say? Well, they talk about your whole immune system can be dependent upon colonization of the GI tract by passing through the. Birth oh, this canal. is what she was talking about. That's what she and she was actually saying. You didn't hear it because you had the yeah. headphones on. She was thinking you should take a swab of what's going on there and put. But rub they it don't know if yeah. that's adequate because it's GI colonization and development of asthma, autoimmune yeah. diseases, and mm-hmm. they've gone down to South America to to communities where communities to try called seeding, right? That's yes. what she called it seeding. Go but ahead. I don't know if the seeding works. But I mean, it's a, it's an interesting theory. I mean, it's just like too much cleanliness is the cause of asthma yeah. and right. autoimmune disorders. But even more so that in developed countries with C-sections, you're not allowing this. And, and that seeding may not be and adequate. So they, so they were looking at the babies that were down there. Looking at the yes. Kids. Well, all the ones that – the other ones were dead. All the rest of them didn't make it. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? That's, right. a weird, that's a weird sampling. But yeah. there was also a sampling where there was no antibiotic usage in, in their history. It was just a pure – Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. I'm so I don't, I don't know what the final, uh, final verdict on that is, but that's – so she's going to do seeding if you have a seeding. Did your dad ever let you, take, you, let you take antibiotics? Yes. My dad never let me take antibiotics. Ever. Tired, really? tired adolescent, childhood, everything. Really? Yeah, he, yeah. vibromycin usually was the one that he would Yeah, that was doxycycline, yeah. yeah. But I think now he thinks, does he think this? Or does... I think he thinks Z-Packs are over. Z-Packs way or Cipro or so, something that's, that's like overdone. way too much. Way yeah, way too over. much overdone. They make me feel better when I take a Z-Pack. Z- I don't know why. But Z packs were supposed to be the thing against the big bug, the the kind of bug that was going to kill us all Anthrax. and some mass get, killing, yeah. right? Get, well, Cipro was, but but Cipra, they, but right. they but then they get resistance. Then we I know. So then we resistance. start taking it all the time for the flu. Or Have you seen the not... resistance? I just read a study on uh, on H pylori treatment, yeah. and the resistance is m- incredible. With uh, I'm not sure we should be treating that anyway. Oh, they're going to four weeks. Let us non doctors in. What's H pylori? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a bacteria that's sort of embedded in the lining of the the stomach and the maybe the esophagus too, right? That that, that causes ulcers. Everybody thought ulcers were from you know eating bad food and taking aspirin, mm. but this is bacteria. Let me yeah. ask you, doctors, this. So, my favorite food 
prior to pregnancy was artificial sweetener. <laughs> like my, my blood is like was 90% artificial sweetener, Splenda and Truvia. Uh, and I stopped using any of that now that I'm pregnant because my fertility doctor and my OB said they this, they don't have enough research to yeah. know. Okay. Do you agree with that? Because I I'm agree. dying to go back to artificial Here's sweetener. Here's my deal with pregnant women. You, you, pristine. Right. Ugh. Don't do anything. Right. Okay. I would, don't take an antibiotic. What about don't stevia? Take, don't do stevia? Stevia. It tastes no. horrible. I've been avoiding too because I, I'm convinced we're going to find st- uh, stevia is worse than- uh, After Breaking Bad, I can't have stevia. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be worse than uh, the other one. The so can one. we just clarify, because I just learned this stuff that I'm paying attention now lately, the last few years. Everybody keeps saying C-section or natural childbirth and then categorizing getting epidural and, and, and uh, the Pitocin as not a natural childbirth. So I don't understand. There seems to I be I think it's C-section three... or vaginal. Yeah. And that... then there's medicated or unmedicated. Yeah. So and, and, and medicated vaginal births are frowned upon by the well, hippies, by you, the hippie you, you just heard the Catherine or I want, why do I want to call her Catherine all the time Elizabeth just gave a whole disquisition on why she felt you lose certain because you push natural at the wrong advantage time you, right you're you can tear, yeah. you get that you know but they can they reduce they reduce the epidural and you start to zero in that's what happened that's what I watched I, I understand and and you know I'm not an obstetrician so I'm way out of my league here I don't, how do you feel about that I Bruce. No, yeah. it's almost like what the Heisenberg and certainly even observing something maybe changes the outcome right. and any little thing you do might change the natural outcome. So it can get ridiculous to me, giving the, the fentanyl and, and Pitocin, it's ridiculous to think that that would affect the health of the baby. That's just yeah, we're, we're way more resilient than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so I think it's just a question for you. And I think the next uh, your 20 weeks, next 20 uh, Next 18 weeks, you've got to decide vagina or no mm. vagina. Well, and then <laughs> really, <laughs> really, that's your ultimate decision. But then, because you when know you decide, you're going to get the dope and the pitocin well, and the epidural. I'm if if lo and behold, I'm not in that much pain, then I'll only get one dose. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a lot of pain, though, then I'm going to get three. No, what um, I saw, <laughs> what I saw her light up uh, as the as the birth plan. Like I'll go yeah. for two hours like this yeah. and four hours yeah. like that. I did light like up. That. However, I know so many people who had a birth plan and Threw then it out as soon as yeah, as soon as they got there, it turned out that they ended up having to get a C. Like I know people who were dead set against C sections and they end up having to have them because yeah. there's some complication. Yeah. Well, thank so. goodness, baby's thank goodness too big. Yeah, yeah. Or no, there's all kinds or, of stuff. You don't even someone imagine. I knew had their um, umbilical cord was like wrapped in a knot or something mm-hmm. that's what you had that's what i delivered <laughs> no it was around the neck same what same thing what you what you have to do unwrap it real quick well, it, it came you, out it, it sometimes came, it's so it. tight it was, i've yeah. been in birth where it's so tight it rips and right I got, it, I got it off but oh my god oh, don't listen to these guys <laughs> Think about Claremont Colleges and the old days and literature and <laughs> okay, and he, pinch him, pinch him. <laughs> yeah, infinite jest. Infinite. By the way, think I about finishing infinite jest. I, that, that you could be, you could be reading until after the season. I know, <laughs> all but, the way through. But uh, as it pertains to infinite jest, I didn't squeeze out something I wanted to say, which was that it's the best description of marijuana addiction I've ever seen. He has he goes into a psych hospital and he's I forget who he's describing him or somebody. He was himself, himself, yeah, himself. And, and marijuana withdrawal was he described it. But he also so had perfectly. depression too. No, I understand. Obviously, towards the end there. I, I'm just saying that this well, he was a bad drug addict too. Yeah, but the but the pot description was so accurate. It was so well done. My God, and I've never seen anybody really just describe it that honestly. Yeah, that first the first 200 pages. Yeah, I'm like, 
that's a parallel universe that I was living yes, in. Yes, yeah. And then it just got a little too fancy so for me. Well, the, the, fancy, the fancy and the tennis kept taking me out. Yes. And, and, just yeah, like, and all the names. And I was like, who is that? Yeah. You're supposed on? to go to the yeah. back and look it up. There's yeah. a, a oh. 200 pages of footnotes. Oh, my God. No. I have a question for Dr. Drew. Uh-oh. He wrote that in of, Sober Living. Did you he know did? that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Question for Dr. Drew, which is unrelated to anything we've talked about, but, I wanted, but I, it's just something I'm curious about, so I wanted to ask okay. you. I have noticed... Um, you have a ta- inner in terms of interviewing and in terms of what you do, you have a talent for really kind of honing in on people's vulnerabilities. And I mean this in a positive way and <laughs> I know it's <laughs> sounds negative. I mean in a positive way and sort of like getting to the, like the fissures or the cracks in their personality structure, let's say. Well, just what's, in, what's important to them. What's meaning. It's, and usually there's pain attached to that. Yeah. The a, pain, I guess. Yeah. And my, what I'm wondering is, cause I think that I have this a bit too in, in my interviewing, but do you think that you are able to do that because you kind of sense something and just kind of go there? Or do you think that there's something about you that makes people just open up naturally? No, it's something I sense. I'm, I'm, and having been the object of therapy for so many years, it, it, it sort of, you begin appreciating when somebody cares about things that are very powerful. Empathic you. skill. You're like, and you yeah. know who else does that? Howard Stern. Yes, and Howard Stern have- exactly does it. He's been in psychoanalysis three days a week for 15 or 20 years, and absolutely he's using the same I hate thing. the whack pack, but when he interviews people, and you have the same capacity, I, it's I, sort of an empathic skill. I'm aware skill. of it, and, and I'm aware of it when I'm the object of it, because when Howard has interviewed me, I thought, oh, I know what this is. This feels familiar. <laughs> it's it's kind of an openness. It's an opening, and, mm-hmm. and uh, not being afraid of what's there. People are afraid to push on people's important, right. important stuff. And to me, that's what's... Why are we even conversing if we're not talking what's really important to you? And do you feel like and, it's an intellectual thing, no, though? It's all. just a sense thing, right? Right brain, okay. right brain. Yeah. Because we... First of all, again, in my own therapy and stuff, I needed a lot of that because I was disconnected from that part. Mm-hmm. So in order to connect it, you have to have the other person there helping you connect it. In treatment drug addicts, we couldn't believe anything that was coming out of their mouth. So we'd have to just intuit everything. So we'd constantly I'd just go, Well, what's that? You know, I just I, and I would never even think about what was gonna come out of my mm-hmm. mouth. I would just learn to trust it. And sometimes I would say crazy things. I would just say, Whoa, 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 what did I just say where that come from? But I don't say those things unless there's something being evoked. Right. And so I learned to trust that. So, so something in the other person. And that's really a spiritual spot. It's a very powerful spot to be in we we kind of did it when I was on your podcast or when you were on mine a little bit. Both, I think. I remember, recall when you were on mine, you said you were talking about how you used to have panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. And then you said you felt like you were going to have one. <laughs> That's the feeling I like to evoke in my guests. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome! Power. But that's how visceral it was we, for you. We had a love fest. I think my yes. wife's going to play it for us at the, oh, yeah. at the end of the show. Well, oh, I yes. think people know I've I've long had a crush on Doctor Drew. It's you. It's Bobcat Goldthwait, and there's someone else, and I can't remember who that third person is, and I'm sorry to the third person. You, uh, it will come to you me. You love us so much, you can't remember us. It's the progesterone. <laughs> That's right. And, and, That's <laughs> pregnancy brain. And and you've met, I'm sure, Bobcat through Corolla and stuff, right? Yes, I've had yeah. him on my show. I just had him on somewhat recently. Did you ever talk to him about Robin Williams? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bob, the story is he... Robin Williams did not have depression. He had like a Lewy body dementia, which presents as a depression but he was getting a rapidly progressive sort of frontal temporal dementia and then pulling out of it and realizing what he did no not pulling out of it. he would call bob in these states where he's like I, am i okay am i losing my mind i'm losing yeah not, yeah but then i thought i thought he had another thing where he was getting diagnosed with all kinds of things you didn't hear that 
I don't remember that. Yeah, he got diagnosed. Well, were, before with... they made the diagnosis, they were calling him Parkinson's and all kinds yeah, of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. And so that it has Parkinson's. Hadn't he been to drug treatment like within a couple months? Of... He had an alcohol relapse, but I think it was no. long before. Long so he, before. they knew he had the, the syndrome, the cognitive. I think he got diagnosed way late in the thing. They were sort of looking like a Parkinsonian thing. Because I remember Rob Schneider saying Parkinson's to me. Wow. And uh, and I was like, whoa, that's terrible. And then maybe that's where the depression's coming from. Or maybe, And I was talking to, he was getting hallucinatory too, which is part of the Louis body dementia. Wow. And I was telling Schneider, who was very concerned about him, that maybe it was the meds from the Parkinson's. Wow. But I, I don't know. I was hearing it all second and third hand. And it just sounded, for such, a guy that gave so much to so many people, I just was so devastated to hear what he was going through there at the end. It just sounded awful. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Man. I talked to Bob mostly about his experience with his own grief afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, he felt which like was devastating to Did he feel friends. like he could do something? He should have stepped no, in? No, no. They were best friends. I know. Yeah. yeah. And he was real close to the family too. But what he, so what was his what was his un, he had unsettled feelings? He about missed it? his friend. Yeah, I mean he just was in pain. Yeah, and, and seeing it his was, friend go through that and then missing him. It was like, Well, it's Oof. funny we're talking about David Foster Wallace. Yeah. He had a similar thing where he it's, it's too long a story, but he was on some antipsychotic medicine since he, since the time of infinite jest. Mm-hmm. And somehow he got food poisoning, he was in the hospital, oh. his meds got changed. They said, oh, no, you don't need to be on this. Be, those, those are archaic. Those are old-fashioned. Be on this new stuff. He never really quite pulled out of it and used to tell people at the AA meetings in Claremont, like, maybe you should come and sleep on the couch at my house because I think I'm going to kill myself. Wow. And that went on for months. And him going back and forth to psychiatrists trying to... Part of me doesn't believe it like he was being a baby, but uh, you know, it's so hard. And then we, we he, have to be there to really know it's so crazy. What did he ultimately have? He hung himself. No, what was his diagnosis? I, I oh. just yeah. he was drug addict and bipolar. Okay. No, just major depression. Major. And so, you know, and I felt like that when I, I heard Robin Williams was having problems for five years before that horrible oh. day. So he was having battles with sobriety, he was, he was being mean to people sometimes. Right. As far back as three years before he died. That's sort of that that's saw all him as so right. unlike him. Yeah. And they were blaming his wife for that. I hate and to then, say but it. Then also, and they, that people are brainwashing him, getting around him, and now he's turning against his friends. All kinds of horrible right. shit was going on Ugh. in the 12 step. Well, then, of course, they right? start saying, oh, he must be using blah, blah, blah. That stuff starts he going was, on. He was, though. Yeah. <laughs> You know how the most, speaking of Howard Stern, the craziest. I think he turned to it as a solution to the way that he was feeling. Maybe. One of the craziest, you're right, maybe that's why he did relapse. That make perfect sense. Yeah. Um, craziest stories as it pertains to Howard and Robin. Strangely, we were talking about both of them. Howard Stern told a story on the air about how he was sitting at his desk, and he last time he'd seen Robin Williams was like back when he was on terrestrial radio, and he was sort of a dick to him, and he was sort of abusive, and the way that kind of way Howard used to be. Mm-hmm. And he said he was sitting at his desk, he goes, you know, I, I meant to, we were trying to connect. I miss that guy. I was such an ass. I got to call him. I'm getting him on the show. I'm going to call him and apologize to him. His wife walked him in the room and went, oh my God, Robin Williams is dead. Oh, oh my God. God. Imagine. That talking about intuitive stuff. I, I mean, bet that depressed Stern like crazy because he's very intuitive, but like a little bit too late. <laughs> a little too late. <laughs> like, how intuitive <laughs> are we talking about? If you're really intuitive, you would have called him two weeks right. before. <laughs> but so that you know, it's a, it's a crazy world, and that's what we have this show for to just talk about all this life stuff that goes on in all these different people's lives, and it's I don't know some somehow wonderful people have a other side of them. Right, I mean, it's just a given. No, nobody. What are you talking there's about? no Robin 
Williamses that don't have a dark side to them. Oh, right. Performers. We talked about who have we talked about the last couple of months? Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Right. Rob. You know, he's not the he's not most well balanced. Rob Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll bring him back. Let you tell him per person. <laughs> well, I mean, I love him, but I watch his show. It's crazy. Watch it. Yeah, but that's it. Well, okay. Well, that's him. That's him. Yeah. I know. <laughs> right. Have you watched it? I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, it's. Greatest, my greatest moment was when I told him that they'd overcasted the, the wife. It was his actual wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's way too hot for you, obviously. And there's a thing that's kind of like the David Spade situation. And like, it's too, it's too close to home, that show. Yeah, yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. But it's all darkness and weirdness and like the Led Zeppelin stuff you're talking about. Yeah. For some reason, the people that evoke that, that, that can touch people artists have a I mean, dark the side art, yeah the artist there's a dark is, side that it's true i know that you allison, believe it Al, what's allison's I'm, dark side yeah because allison's an artist Ew. she's a control freak i know what she's like in real life i've married people like that <laughs> <laughs> i'm not that much of a control freak <laughs> i just i'm being uh, as honest as i can okay okay, uh, okay. the listeners can't see the look on my face it's like <laughs> dumbstruck excuse me gobsmacked well, well i and look i like control okay <laughs> so we have a, this has gone to a very strange, strange place very quickly no but it's true i i i it's have okay depression. to like control it's okay yeah that's why i think you like the dope because dope is like is is a way of controlling and letting go at the same time well that's why i like the versed Yes. Fentanyl, I don't like as much. See, I'm, I'm <laughs> in the Versed camp. With, oh my god! I, oh my the god! First time, the first operation I ever had was a hernia repair about ten years ago, and they were wheeling me down the hall after some Versed, and I thought, "Oh my god, this is what it feels like to be awake and not be anxious." Yes, oh, this it is, was the first. Was the, I was like, I, I was thinking of all these disturbing, sad things, and they didn't upset me. Yeah. I was like, I just. I truly feel no pain. I feel so yeah. good right now. No, That's what heroin That's feels nice. like to me. So All right, whatever. So do you feel Bruce, better have now? You got, have you got a state I got like nor- that? Yeah, I got Norco when I got a hernia repair. I loved it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Took it for five days, stopped, and two days later I was depressed and realizing- Ooh. Yeah, there's that rebound. Better it's living like, through I, chemistry. Well, my poor patients, I had more empathy afterwards. <laughs> yeah, for, I bet. Because it's That's a equal line, and it's opposite a, effect. It's a minor version too. Right? Oh, yeah. I know. Do you feel better now than when you walked in here? I just want. Yes. Good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Allison, I don't feel worse. Here's the bo- bottom line: we were glad you're here. Oh, thank you. Yes. I, I'm and glad I, I I have been. I am glad that I was here. It's been way too long since either Bruce or I have seen you. This is ridiculous. I agree. Yes, we should be seeing you more. And you that, guys have to come on my show. All right, done. Come together. Great. Yeah, I'd love to. Oh, how fun! Oh, yeah. I'd be honored. Huh? Bob too. Bob, you can come too. Yeah, then, oh, we'll, yeah. then we can promote promote this, all these different podcasts. And Great, so good, perfect. That's, right, <laughs> we'll that's explore a, your dark dark side. No, that's a date. No, she'll explore ours. That's her. That's thing. right. Yeah. So, um, you I got wanna... a name for the baby? No, not yet. This is my impression of my husband with every name I sh- suggest. Oh God, no. <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to name the baby. We're going to call him Oh God, no. <laughs> can you do a contraction of your names? Something. God, no. God, no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> I don't, I'm um, sure we'll come up with something. Bergametna.com is the website. Check it out at doctor.com, thislifepodcast.com, as well as Aloe Recovery. There with you go. Basic 12-step abstinence-based social model treatment. Get the real stuff, the real deal. Bob, we'll see you there. And uh, that about does it for This Life That's Podcast. It. We'll see you next time. Thank you.
we're starting to get to an area where, see, because this is the, f- the feeling area, and uh, I just want you to have my phone number. Are you serious? I'm just saying, I've done a lot of thinking about you, and I think there's something here that really, this is like ridiculous. Oh, what? Absolutely, 100%. And, and you, it's okay. Are you embarrassed by that? No, I love talking about... Um, you're actually, you're flushing a little bit. Right? I am. Actually, to be ultra sincere, I was telling someone recently that I am in love with Dr. Drew. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't have thought of you in a better way, but now I have a more full image of the perfection that is you. Think of me differently now? No. I didn't know you felt this way about <laughs> me. If anything, I think it's made me realize, wow, I just feel warm and... Happy, And I don't even know if I would have known that was possible. Here's my question, though. Do you feel those kind of, kind of things? Yes. And, and strangely, we, uh, we always were very intense together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just went to a real relationship. Yes! We're perfect together. So, Drew, so that night when, when we hugged to say goodbye, I, I knew. I mean, <laughs> you knew it without me even having to say. It was just clear. Like, I knew. Yeah. And I felt this, like, magnetic yeah, that thing. draw. Yeah. Did you feel that? Vividly. Right now, I feel like this is what I want to do. We're going to go out tonight. Let's okay. do it. Let's leave dinner at 5.30. How about that? Let's go to Newport. That sounds super exciting. Okay. Done and done. I think that sounds great. unhealthy question that I'm going to ask anyway. Would it have been possible for us to actually have gotten stuck in the friend zone? Sure. Really? We were not ready to sort of be with somebody. Yeah. Well, is that something you want? Oh my God. Yes. So much so that it's it's ridiculous. (laughs) Like, what do you think it was that you responded so strongly to? I don't know. I think what happened was we're starting to get to an area where, see, because this is the the feeling area. weird i'm having a physical reaction oh yeah i feel it happening right now it feels like we're perfect together imagine you and i being married my dear yeah i think it's gonna be very good yeah yeah Yeah. yes you're not one of those people that make your own salad dressing right there you know like no 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 i just order dressing on the side but i am someone who sometimes has a complicated order welcome to newport steakhouse are you ready to order Kind of. What do you want? Our special tonight is a wonderful cream trout with a dill meringue. No, I don't do that. I I don't think I would enjoy that. I couldn't smell anything dill. Well, then perhaps our Dungeness crab would be... Hey, I'm not a parrot. I don't want to have to crack that thing open. Fine, fine. So, what kind of dressing would you like on your salad? I need uh, Italian dressing without the oil. Ooh la la, I'm the fancy doctor that has to have a trendy dressing. Not a trendy dressing. It's an outdated dressing. Yes, wonderful. I'll get that while your wife decides what she wants. Well, uh, we're not married yet. You know, I, was, I was a singer, opera singer, believe it or not, at one mm-hmm. point for like three seconds. Wow. Do you still sing? Occasionally. I really miss singing. I, I need to have that in my life. Really? I just want to hear it. I feel, um... What the fuck? Why am I always struggling so much? I just didn't want you to be uncomfortable if that's something that you... No, no. Fuck, this is, like, ridiculous. You need to listen to this, my dear.